I usually say the big three skin issues in our 30s are hormonal acne, melasma, and rosacea. And the hormonal changes that occur during pregnancy and postpartum really can trigger and flare these conditions. And it's it's a little tricky because as dermatologists, a lot of the treatments that we use to treat those three common conditions are actually contraindicated in pregnancy and while breastfeeding. Welcome to The Skin Reel, your guide to all things skincare, skin health, beauty, and more, curated by dermatologists and true skin experts. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Alice Mina. I'm a double board certified dermatologist and dermatologic surgeon with over a decade of clinical experience. If you're looking for real, practical, unhyped skincare guidance and expertise, or you just think the skin is really cool, then you're in the right spot. I'm so glad you've tuned in to The Skin Reel. Now let's dive in because this is how dermatologists talk skin. Hi everyone, quick disclaimer here before we start. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. If you're looking for help on your skin journey, please check out the American Academy of Dermatology's website, aad.org, where you can search their database for dermatologists near you. It is so important that you have someone in your corner who's well-trained, licensed, and board-certified who can help you make decisions when it comes to your skin health. Okay, got it? Great. Now for the fun stuff. Hi, skin friend. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of The Skin Reel. This week, I have my colleague, Dr. Brooke Corbett, joining me today. And if you are someone in your 30s or maybe even in your late 20s, you are not going to want to miss this episode. I am talking with Dr. Corbett today on how skincare or creating skincare habits in your 30s can make a difference and why we need these habits in our 30s. If you've been through your 30s, you notice that things start to change. Your skin looks different. Your body looks different. You're at a different season in life. Maybe you're starting a family. Your career is really taking off or you're trying to get it to take off. You have all these things coming together and you start realizing you can't stay up all night like you used to. You can't party like you used to. When you move your face, sometimes those lines don't disappear when you are at rest. And you may notice that your skin is looking a little less bright, a little less plump, a little less full. Well, you are not losing your mind. These things happen and they even happen as early as our 30s. And so Dr. Corbett is going to be sharing with us why creating good skincare habits now can make such a big impact down the road when you're in your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, 70s, and well beyond. Plus, I love how Dr. Corbett says you can keep it really simple. You don't have to make it complicated. You don't have to pay a lot of money for expensive procedures and devices and at-home things if you don't want. Sure, there are some fun things that you can do if you're interested, but that is definitely not mandatory. Most important thing is just being aware that your skin is changing and learning to make some impactful changes in your habits and in your skincare routine. Dr. Corbett is a board-certified dermatologist. 
She practices medical and cosmetic dermatology at Thomas Dermatology in Las Vegas, Nevada. She's also an associate professor of dermatology at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and she has a really thriving social media presence where she puts out really great skincare information, so be sure to follow her there. I am so glad she took time out of her busy schedule being a wife, a mother to two adorable girls, and a busy dermatologist to help shed some light on why skincare in your 30s is so clutch. Hi, Dr. Corbett. Thanks so much for joining me on this week's episode of The Skin Reel. I'm really excited for our conversation today. Thanks so much for having me, Dr. Amina. I love your podcast and love that it's a great platform for board-certified dermatologists to get good quality information to our patients. Absolutely. That's totally why I started this, because I know it's hard to see a dermatologist, and we really are the experts with skincare, and I wish I had known a lot of stuff before I became a dermatologist. So I love getting to do this with my colleagues. It's a lot of fun, and I wish I had heard this podcast about 10 years ago because I have now moved beyond my 30s. But I love that we're talking about why taking care of your skin in your 30s is so important. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. So turning 30 is a huge milestone for many of us. And it's around the time people start to think about their skin and aging because, you know, we're starting to settle down. We're starting to get married, have kids. And our life is really transitioning from our 20s when we're super carefree and feel like we're going to live forever kind of into this more adult part of our life. It's also the time when our mothers are turning 60. So that kind of gives us a little window into the future of how we might look as we start to age. And so I find that a lot of people will come to me and say, hey, my mom aged gracefully and amazingly. I want to look like her or, whoa, I do not want to look like my mom when I am older. So that can be a trigger for a lot of patients to start to think about aging. And then it's also, you know, we start to see some of the physical manifestations of aging when we're in our 30s. We start to see our first wrinkle in the dynamic areas of our face. We start to to see the first gray hair. I know that happened for me a few years ago, and that was shocking. And really makes us start thinking about how we want to age going forward. So many good things to discuss and what you just said. You're so right. Your 30s really are this pivotal period in your life where, at least for me, right, your 20s, I'm having fun. I'm not worried. I'm going to live forever. I don't need to worry about X, Y, and Z. And, and all of a sudden, you're in your 30s. Maybe you have children and things just aren't quite like they used to be. And you're right. You're noticing, wait, that little line in my forehead doesn't fully disappear when I stop raising my eyebrows. And I love what you mentioned about your mom. And totally now I'm in my mid 40s now, but I see my mom and myself now. And my mom's a beautiful woman and she is au naturel. She doesn't use any of my services, but I can see that and I can see sort of where my future is going based on my mom. So that is a really good point you bring up. It's funny, they're actually, I don't know if you've seen that aging filter on TikTok. When I put it on myself, I saw my mother and it was crazy. It really is accurate. And definitely a lot of women in their 30s start to kind of look towards the future when they see their parents. I wish I knew how to use technology a little bit better because I do want to try that filter. I'm just so curious, right? Well, maybe I'll, I'll have someone help me show me how to do that. Someone young in my office. So let's talk about what are some of the changes that happen in our skin, in our appearance, in our 30s. 
So we start to actually lose collagen in our skin in our 20s. And then we're taught that we lose about 1% of our collagen going forward every year after that. We typically don't start to see those changes in our 20s, but they really do start to turn up in our 30s. And kind of that loss of collagen and elastin usually starts to show up as little tiny wrinkles kind of in the dynamic areas of our face, like when we raise our eyebrows or we smile or we move our mouths. And then we could also look a little more tired from that. The second thing that also happens during our 30s is we start to have loss of volume in the fat pads of our face and also start to have a little bit of bony resorption of the bones of our face. And these create the underlying structure upon which our skin lies on top of. And so changes in that underlying structure can change the way that our skin sits on top of that underlying structural support and can create the appearance of sagging skin or can create shadows that used to not be there that can really contribute to skin aging. And also a lot of women are going through pregnancies and childbirth during this time too, right? And that leads to a a whole slew of other skin issues, right? Completely. So when we're in our 30s, that's around the time people are starting to start their families, starting to get pregnant, have children. And if you've ever been pregnant, you know pregnancy completely changes your skin. Both while you're pregnant, you have your gaining weight in your face, then postpartum you're losing weight in your face, you get stretch marks. There are lots of other specific dermatoses that occur during pregnancy. And then also the hormonal changes of pregnancy and postpartum can really trigger a lot of common skin issues. I usually say the big three skin issues in our 30s are hormonal acne, melasma, and rosacea. And the hormonal changes that occur during pregnancy and postpartum really can trigger and flare these conditions. And it's a little tricky because as dermatologists, a lot of the treatments that we use to treat those three common conditions are actually contraindicated in pregnancy and while breastfeeding. So we have to be a little creative about how we approach those patients. Yeah, absolutely. And I think stress plays a big role. And I know in my 30s, you are trying your family. A lot of times you have small children. You're trying to get your career up and going. And the last thing you're doing is taking care of yourself. At least that was my situation. I feel like now in my 40s, I'm putting a lot more focus onto that. But my 30s, it was like survival and not a lot of sleep, a lot of stress, juggling a lot of different responsibilities. And so, of course, we know stress, lack of sleep, that can all make your skin just not look as beautiful and glowing as well, right? Completely. So all the things that are bad for our overall health are also bad for our skin health. So exactly what you said, lack of sleep, eating fast food, stress, and also things like smoking and drinking alcohol can really age the skin. And while when we were in our 20s, we might not have seen those effects, kind of when we turn 30, we start to feel those hangovers. We start to have kind of dark circles and really feel the effects of those bad habits. So always the number one thing that I tell my patients for getting their best skin in their 30s and beyond is really starting to create healthy habits. Things like trying to get enough sleep, drinking lots of water to stay hydrated, eating lots of antioxidant-rich foods, 
creating an exercise routine. There's actually a recent study showing that strength training can actually increase the collagen and elastin in our skin. So it kind of makes sense. All the things that we're told to have a long, healthy life also really applies to the skin. And so really starting to create those healthy habits and incorporate it into your life can make a huge difference down the road. I definitely want to talk about the skin-focused things that we can do, but what we talk about so much more now than we ever did 10 years ago, even five years ago, is how taking care of your overall body, your overall health, is so impactful for your skin. And a lot of times people don't necessarily put those together. They just think, well, what cream do I need to put on? What cleanser do I need to use? Or what sunscreen? But there's actually so many other things we can do. And by first and foremost, taking care of yourself from within, like you said, exercise, diet, nutrition, all of that, sleep, managing your stress, all of those things can not only make your body healthier, but also super impactful for your skin. And I love that people are talking about that now because even when I was a resident, and it wasn't really something we focused on. Whenever I see a patient in consultation for aesthetics, one of the first things that I ask is, what is your daily life like? What kind of stress do you have? What do you do to wind down? What do you do for yourself? And you can always tell people with brighter, more vibrant skin are really putting in the time to take care of themselves, kind of physically, but also emotionally. And our skin and our mind are very well connected. Stress induces rashes and psoriasis and also definitely contributes to aging on the skin. So definitely the number one thing in your 30s would be start to learn how to prioritize yourself and really take care of your mind and body and it will definitely show on your skin. My husband likes to say self-care is not selfish. When I sometimes am like, why aren't you helping me? But it, it's true. You got to have that time for yourself. And especially as moms, I think we really put ourselves last. So starting early, starting in your 30s is great. Don't wait until you're older. So I would love to hear what are some healthy skin habits you recommend for your patients who are in their 30s? The number one thing that I recommend to my patients is sun protection. I would not be a good dermatologist if I did not mention that first and foremost. The sun ages your skin so fast. It creates dark spots. It gets rid of your collagen, your elastin, creates actinic damage, and increases your risk for skin cancer. The sun will age you so much faster than any anti-aging cream will get rid of that damage. So if you are not protecting yourself from the sun, either with sunscreen or some protective clothing, Buying the fanciest cream isn't going to do anything. Absolutely. And if you don't believe it, look at someone who's maybe 50s, 60s. Look at their arms versus like their stomach or someone the top of someone's thigh versus the lower part of their leg. And you can see a stark contrast in people who have not really sun protected except for maybe their clothing. And there's a stark difference. I see this all the time in my patients where their stomachs will look like they're 25 and then their, their necks, their arms. Their legs, the areas that get that chronic sun are really significantly more aged. And so, yeah, I'm just like you. Like, if you're going to do nothing else, just sun protect. And I know you live in a super sunny place. So that's got to be a little difficult. It's interesting here in Las Vegas, it's actually so hot in the summer that it actually helps people stay inside a little bit more. But what I do have trouble with is trying to convince people to wear sun protective clothing because it's just too hot. 
But I really encourage people. I mean, spray tans are pretty good these days. Yeah. So much better for your skin than laying out and getting tan. I definitely think the younger generation of people are, are starting to learn, are now better about sun protection. But there are just some people, they've been sunbathing all their lives and they just can't imagine giving that up. And I just try to encourage them to see how beneficial that could be for their skin. And just a quick plug for sun protective clothing. It is actually really breathable. It's like exercise clothing, right? It's made to wick away the sweat. It's supposed to be very, very breathable. So you will, I think you'll find when you wear it, at least when I do, I actually am cooler than if I were wearing like a cotton t-shirt or something else that doesn't wick away that sweat. So again, just because it's long sleeve doesn't mean you're going to be roasting in it like a wool turtleneck. I totally agree. I am a huge proponent of sun protected clothing. You will always see me in my coolie bar long sleeve shirt. I actually, I'm not the biggest fan of sunscreen, especially reapplying it all the time. You know, you sweat it off if you're doing something active. So I always encourage my patients who are sun protective clothing. I'm with you too. I, I don't love the feeling of putting a lot of things on my skin, which is why I think I'm such a basic person. I, I don't use a lot of products, period, because I just don't enjoy how that feels. So yeah, sun protective clothing is amazing. Do not worry what you look like. When the sun goes down, that's when my, my bikini comes out and that's it. And you know, I am a lot like you, Dr. Regina. I've listened to a lot of your episodes, so I know you're a skincare minimalist and I actually tend to agree. I definitely think your 30s should be the time where if you haven't started a skincare routine, I definitely think it's time to start just creating a little bit of a routine with your skin. It's kind of like brushing your teeth. It's just that daily consistent routine is really essential to kind of creating overall healthy skin and skin that's going to age well. I don't think you need a routine that is complicated, that's expensive, or that's 10 steps long for sure. I think that a great effective but a great simple but effective skincare routine really has three main parts you definitely want something to cleanse your face some sort of active and then something to protect and moisturize your face so in the morning i recommend using a gentle cleanser a drugstore cleanser is totally fine then using some sort of active during the day like some type of antioxidant. If you're just starting out, vitamin C is a really great antioxidant because it not only brightens the skin, but also helps boost the sun protective effect of your sunscreen. And now is pretty cheap and kind of widely available. So definitely look for a vitamin C serum and then finish off with just a moisturizer with some sunscreen in it. And then you are good to go for the day. At night, again, I like a gentle cleanser to get rid of your makeup and take off your sunscreen for the day. The active that I like best at night is either an over-the-counter retinol or a prescription retinoid. Just really great multitasking product for rebuilding collagen, dark spots, texture, acne. And then just finishing off with a gentle, basic moisturizer. And then once you get that down back, start to kind of play around with different actives but that's definitely for the more advanced skincare user yeah i love how you you broke that down just so simply and that's what i do i don't do anything extra and i only started doing vitamin c in my 40s so see i, I needed to have talked to you before this yeah it really can be that simple if you want you certainly don't have to make it complicated now i know there are a lot of people who enjoy and have fun with the products and 
actives and things like that. So for the listeners who want a little more, they want like 2.0, what would you recommend? Well, it, it really depends on your individual skin and your individual needs. I would say kind of that basic routine is kind of across the board applies to everyone. But if you're someone who also has a little bit of acne, you can add a little salicylic acid exfoliant in there. If you have hyperpigmentation, you could add a little niacinamide or things like licorice root, kojic acid, etc. Even if you are stepping it up a little bit, I still recommend not having too many cooks in the kitchen because sometimes if you add too many products, then you have the potential to create irritation and you're not really going to know what's causing it. So I would say start there and then maybe play around a little bit with the actives. But just the gentle cleanser and moisturizer and sunscreen, those should be the cornerstones of everyone's skincare routine. Absolutely right. I feel like they can interact. You can get irritation. You can damage your skin barrier and then your skin is red and flaky and that's not the look you're going for. And you're so true. Like you don't know what's irritating what. So sometimes just keeping it pretty simple is the way to go. Now, I do enjoy in-office procedures. So I'm I'm not like an au naturel person like my mom. So what are some in-office things that people looking to maybe level up their skincare what are some things you'd recommend for people in their 30s? So I see a lot of patients coming in their 30s just saying, what should I be doing? And with every patient, it's very individual. But there's a couple, you know, things that I tend to recommend to most patients. The first thing is usually Botox. We usually think of Botox as kind of the gateway drug to aesthetic. And there's no specific age that you should be starting Botox. And age tends to be around your 30s. And what Botox does is it weakens the muscles of facial expression so that when we make expressions like lifting our eyebrows, smiling, furrowing our brow, we are creating dynamic lines that show expression. And dynamic lines are good. They show when we're happy, when we're angry, when we're sad. And they're really important to looking human and having a natural looking face. The reason we don't like dynamic lines going forward as we age is because with those repetitive movements, you can start to create static wrinkles that are there at rest when we're not moving our face. And sometimes those wrinkles can make us a little more tired and a little older than we actually are. So what I tell my patients is it's time to start Botox when you see the faintest start of a static line. It can be a little too early for Botox if you've never had any static lines because then you're not really preventing anything. But you could also wait too long to do Botox when those static lines are really etched in and we won't be able to get rid of those lines. So usually around age 30, when you start to see the start of a static line, that's when it might be the time to do Botox. You're right. People will say, well, what's too young? And I always joke, I, my son actually had it when he was about one years old for torticollis. So it's not like there's an age per se. I've seen 20-year-olds that really have those etched in lines on their forehead or they have a gummy smile. But I love how you say when you start to see that line stays when you've stopped moving your face, that would be a sign that, hey, maybe time to start. Or I notice people will sometimes get a little creepy skin around the eyes. And I think doing a, starting a little Botox there can really help smooth that out. And we're saying Botox, we mean neuromodulators, toxins. There are a whole bunch of them out there. But yeah, 
everyone knows Botox, right? Second concern that people in their 30s typically start to have is their skin quality. So patients start to notice they're getting dark spots either from the sun or melasma and then also a little bit of redness from rosacea or telangiectasias. And so those types of issues are usually best treated by a device or a laser in the office. One great intro device that I like to recommend to patients in their 30s is something called IPL or intense pulse light because it's a pretty low downtime and cost effective way to get rid of some of those reds and browns and really just clear up and brighten your complexion. Other lasers that are great for patients in their 30s are things like Clear and Brilliant, Moxie, Fraxel, other thallium-based lasers that have little downtime so we can get back to our daily lives, are not crazy expensive, and are just really good at kind of getting rid of those reds and browns and brightening up the skin. It can make a huge difference in your overall appearance. I also love like a chemical peel or microneedling can be helpful for just kind of a refresh before you have a lot of sun damage to undo or a lot of collagen depletion. I think those are, are great options too. Absolutely. Some nice patients come in and they want that full face ablative razor because they slide on TikTok and I tell them, you know, we, you do not need that yet. But they're Definitely computers with little downtime that are cost effective that can make a huge difference in your 30s. So the third thing that I sometimes will recommend to patients in their 30s is a little bit of subtle filler. And like I was saying before, we start to have volume loss in our fat pads and a little bit of bone resorption in our face in our 30s. And sometimes just filling that in and adding a little bit of subtle filler can actually make a huge difference and really help you age more gracefully and more naturally than waiting till you're 50 and 60 and just pumping your face full of filler and really looking unnatural. So not everyone, but sometimes some patients in their 30s, just a little touch of filler can also really make a huge difference. A little bit along the way can really help you maintain so that you're not coming in at 40, 50, probably more like 50, 60, 70, right? And they want one syringe. And I'm saying that's really not going to give them the results, the look that they want. But adding a little bit along the way can really maintain things, right? And so I feel like it's it's all about kind of taking proactive steps so that you aren't having to do these major things down the road. And all these procedures we're talking about, right? It's not that you have to get all of them or do all of them. I've actually never had a laser on my face or a peel, but I'm certainly going to when I need it. So you got to do it based on what you need that, you know, I'm noticing some little red spots. So probably going to call it my derm friends and get those zapped. But I do think doing some filler, doing some Botox, and then whatever issue your skin has, focusing on that can be really impactful. I'd love to get your thoughts on biostimulants. This is something I wish I had done earlier. I love biostimulants. So biostimulants are things like Sculptra and Ray-ES that help stimulate your body's own collagen in your skin. When I was initially taught about how to use these products, it was actually in much older patients who had significant and severe volume loss as a way to kind of slowly restore all that volume without pumping them full of filler. But now I'm actually starting to use it in my younger patients in smaller amounts 
to really just kind of firm and tighten the skin. We're also using Radies differently. We're hyper diluting it. So adding extra saline to the Radies and that takes it from a filler with a really high G prime, meaning that it's really sturdy and kind of meant to mimic bone and really translating it into a filler that can be used more superficially, just kind of smooth out the collagen of the face, also smooth out some necklines. And it's a really nice tool to have as a dermatologist. So it's really interesting how the use of those products has evolved over time. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people are really afraid of fillers, that they're going to look overdone, that they're going to look like those caricatures with faces that don't move and chipmunk cheeks. And so I do feel like the pendulum is swinging to a much more subtle, natural look. And that's why I do like these biostimulants because it stimulates your own collagen. And if you can start it, even in your early 30s, do maybe a little bit along the way, you are going to, again, preserve what you have. You're going to maintain that collagen a little bit better. And then you're not going to need to go in and get four syringes of filler pumped in, which I do think gives a more unnatural look. So I, I'm a big fan of those too. Absolutely. One other uh, treatment that I really became a big proponent of these days is red light therapy at home, which is actually a really great non-invasive treatment that you can do at home that also really helps stimulate collagen, elastin, good for dark spots. And you just have to use it consistently, but can also be a really great to stimulate collagen at home. And that was a treatment that a couple of years ago was only available in office. So now we're kind of bringing it more towards the consumer so they can do it themselves at home. They look crazy on, right? <laughs> you look funny. But I've never used one of those myself, but you like them? Oh, I love them. So I usually do it with my iced coffee after my workout every day. And it's my little treat where I get to sit my iced coffee, sit by myself. My kids aren't up yet. I wear my red light mask. And it's my little treat for the day. And what do you have to wear for about 10 minutes? Yeah, so it depends on the device that you have, but it's usually anywhere from around three to 10 minutes. And I usually tell patients it's a very passive in-care treatment, so pair it with an activity that you like so you can do it. So for me, it's it's sitting under a blanket, having my iced coffee, and scrolling through social media. It's my little brain-turns-off moment of the day where my kids wake up, all the craziness wakes up. Or you could do it while you're reading. Sometimes I'll read my Kindle as well. But it's a really nice treatment that is medicine-free. You don't have to go into the office. The mask can be a little pricey, but if you are the kind of person who knows that you will use it every day, I definitely think it's worth the investment. Well, that's great to hear. I've, I've seen some of your posts on it, so I'm, I'm glad to get your thoughts on whether you think it really works and if it's effective. So that's very cool. And that's a great option for someone who's like, I'm not sticking needles in my face, right? I mean, you definitely don't have to do that. There are other things you can do. And everyone's going to have a different threshold of aesthetically what sort of treatments they're okay with, what they don't want to do. And, and so maybe this is your jam and that's all you want to do. And as long as you're wearing sunscreen, that's totally fine, too. Yeah, I actually got into the red light mask when I had a big flare of hormonal acne after I was pregnant. And so, again, like I was saying before, you can't use a lot of the traditional medicines that we use for acne while you're pregnant and breastfeeding. And so I've actually been recommending a lot of light devices for my pregnant and breastfeeding patients because they're non-invasive, they're medicine-free, and it's a great way to be able to treat acne, rosacea when you're pregnant or breastfeeding. 
Well, that is a great segue into my next question. Since a lot of people or women are pregnant in their 30s, how do you recommend they adjust their skincare routine? It can be really tricky. Many of the treatments for acne are contraindicated during pregnancy and breastfeeding. So we have to get a little bit creative along with other medicines that are May third or fourth line and safe for pregnancy. I also really recommend looking at your diet, cutting out things like low fat dairy, which has been shown to be associated with acne. Make sure you're eating low sugar, which can be associated with acne. Again, doing all the things like make sure you get enough sleep, reducing stress, and also adding some medicine-free devices that can really help us get through this period, whether you're breastfeeding or pregnant, to be able to, to resume treatment after that. But it's definitely, it's difficult. Pregnancy is this time where your body's going through all these changes and you kind of feel like you don't have any control over it. So being able to have some of those lifestyle recommendation changes for my pregnant and breastfeeding patients has really helped my practice. Yeah. So make sure to put the tretinoin, the vitamin A cream at night away. You're going to table your Botox injections and really your filler. I don't find many pregnant women want filler. I think they're feeling pretty full <laughs> enough, but uh, you have to sort of table that until um, after delivery and breastfeeding. But some lucky women have beautiful skin during pregnancy. So you might be surprised that your skin actually looks good and your hair is going to look good. So it's not always acne and, and uh, just melasma and things like that. But it is good to have some options for pregnant women because you're right. You feel like you can't do anything and you're just kind of stuck for those 40 weeks. But there are things we can do. So if you are pregnant, struggling with your skin, make sure to see a board-certified dermatologist. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Corbett, this has been really fun and educational, and I definitely learned something about the red light mask, so thanks for your tips on that. I would love to know your top three tips for someone in their 30s who is thinking about what they should do for their skin. They're noticing those changes, and they're like, what do I need to do? What are like the three takeaways? Number one, I would do things that are taking care of your overall health because that is going to translate into your skin. Make sure you are sleeping, you are reducing stress. If you smoke or drink, I would stop smoking and reduce drinking because that definitely ages your skin. And definitely start protecting your skin from the sun using sunscreen or sun protective clothing. I would definitely start some sort of a skincare routine. Again, it doesn't have to be crazy complicated or expensive, but just get into that daily routine. And then I would see your local board certified dermatologist for an aesthetic consult. See what kind of options there are for you if there is anything you need. And even a lot of times patient comes to my office and I tell him, you don't really need anything in office. Keep doing what you're doing. But just having that expertise and guidance along the way can really help you make a plan going forward. Establish that relationship with your dermatologist now, right, before you really need them. And just make sure you're on track. And yeah, a good dermatologist, they'll tell you like, you don't need anything. You don't need this. You don't need that. And help guide you on what would be impactful and, and maybe what's kind of a waste of your time and money. So I love that. Great advice. Dr. Corbett, you have so much great information on social media. Where can our listeners follow you? And then where can they find you if they want to see you as a patient? 
Yeah, so you can find me online on Instagram and TikTok. My name is Brooke Corbett, MD, and I practice a private practice in Las Vegas at Thomas Dermatology. I'm at all three locations at Centennial Hills, West Sunset, and in Henderson. So come see me. I would love to see you. All right. Well, wonderful. We'll leave all of that in the show notes. And thanks so much. It was a lot of fun. All right. Thanks so much, Dr. Nina. That's all I've got for this week's episode of the Skin Real Podcast, but here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help me and other new potential listeners to find my show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave me a review, take a screenshot and email it to info at theskinreel.com and I will send you a thank you free PDF on skincare truths versus hype because you know I love spreading the word of good, truthful skincare. And please be sure to share, share, share with your skin friends so that we can get the word out there about real skin. And until next time, remember, no matter where you are in your skincare journey, always remember to love the skin you're in because real skincare from real experts can be real simple.